Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Using an interview format, Pastor Bob will introduce you to men and women whose ministries are impacting this world with the gospel and will also provide commentary and insight on end-time prophetic events we now see happening in the news. Now here is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hello everyone everywhere, this is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome back to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast for today. Today is part two of our two-part interview with Nathan Jones. Nathan is the web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries. He's also a co-host of the television program Christ and Prophecy. And we've been talking about the Ezekiel 38-39 war, the Psalm 83 war, and the current events that you see taking shape in the news right now, which is uh, Iran flexing her muscles, the United States response to it, uh, the global threat is the increasing. And I asked Nathan to come back on the program today. He's been on before. And because he is a Bible prophecy expert, and we've been talking about how current events that you see every night on the news is taking shape exactly as the Bible predicted, which leads us up to the next topic, which is the rapture and how the Western church, especially the American church, a lot of them, a lot of the churches do not believe in the rapture. Can you believe that? But we're going to jump right back into this topic as we continue this discussion with Nathan Jones. That this war happens after the rapture of the church, mm-hmm. why America and most of the world is in chaos after yeah. the rapture and, and likely economic collapse. Due to that, these nations now feel free to come down and attack Israel. Amen. Which means if all of this is taking shape, the rapture is even closer than, you know, anybody even realizes. Oh, yeah. I think it was Tim LaHaye who used this story. He says, you know, you know Christmas is coming. If the stores start putting up the decorations, mm-hmm. and I mean, already now you go to Walmart, all the Christmas decorations are up. You know Christmas is coming. Uh, but even more, you know, Thanksgiving comes before that. So what we're seeing with these coalitions and this geopolitical mess that it's actually all falling, all these pieces are falling into place. And for them to fall in place, it means that the church should not be here for that. So that means that we're the Thanksgiving. We are the ones who will be raptured beforehand. So that's coming even closer. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, politicians around the world, you know, deny fighting wars in the name of oil. But, you know, it's been going on for most of the 20th century and even into the 21st century. I I remember, you know, I, I love World War II history and all that. And I remember reading that Germany had paid the Arabs, mainly in Turkey, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to build oil pipelines from, you know, the Middle East, the Persian Gulf area, all the way up to Germany, because that would supply them with the oil they needed. And when Germany and basically the whole world went to war, you know, now they needed oil for their tanks and all that. And Turkish leaders, wanting to keep the money rolling in, sided up with Germany. Hence, the desert wars started and spread to northern Africa as well. And when Germany lost, that's when Great Britain and the Allies took control of the region, which resulted in the birth of of the nation of Israel in May of 1948. But basically, it was a war that started over, well, it may not started over oil, but ended up being about oil, especially the Africa campaign. Now, with Saudi Arabia garner worldwide favor, as did other Arab nations, is because vast amounts of oil was discovered in their territories, and that resulted in in the extreme wealth of of those nations. As a matter of fact, when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait for their oil fields in their port, the first President Bush uh, took swift action in putting together a coalition of force to drive them out because it ended up, even though they didn't want to say it, it was a war over oil. 
Nathan, do you think these recent actions involving Iran and the Iranian reactions to the massive sanctions that the United States has laid against them, do you think that is result of the sanctions combination? They're unable to sell their oil and their their economy that they've been relying on is devastated? And is that leading up to what we've been talking about with the, the Psalm 83 war and the Ezekiel 38-39 war? Well, I think you definitely make a, an excellent case for that. Uh, obviously, like, like I stated earlier, the Ayatollahs are driven by a fanatical, eschatological view of the end times that involves starting a world war, so they're not reticent about picking fights, especially with the biggest player, us, in the world. Um, certainly, our uh, sanctions have hurt them, but they do seem to have uh, dedicated uh, oil sales to China and other nations that won't play by the rules here, so they are still getting their oil out. Uh, we just also, it, I think they're totally driven. It's a satanic hatred yeah. of the Jewish people. The Iranians, yeah. and I, I wouldn't say the Iranian people. I know Iranians, and mm-hmm. they, they don't all hate Israel, but the, the ultra-Orthodox, uh, the, if you can make that comparison, the Ayatollahs absolutely hate Israel, and they keep their people under such suppression and uh, many of them had to flee out of the country, and I've known Iranians mm-hmm. here who, whose yeah. parents fled out of the country in the 70s when yep. the Shah was overthrown because of this, this hatred of Israel that drives all that they do. Now, Saudi Arabia seems to be their, their biggest adversary in dominating the Middle East, so yeah, they're trying to pick a fight. Uh, but I, they get in again by taking the oil tankers like they have, by sending drones at us and then attacking Saudi Arabia. They want us to fight and they believe that then Allah will step in and defeat the great Satan, which is the United States. Uh, but we know that, that the opposite is going to happen. It, what's amazing about the Gog and Magog War is the fierceness of which God comes in, yeah. where he steps in and he, he destroys the nation. So Iran will, the end result of this is when they take on God, the land will be destroyed. And I think this is going to be a turning point for many Muslims in the world, because Allah will be have very much defeated. The Middle East is defeated. Uh, there really can't be Islam going on into the tribulation because the Antichrist initiates a one-world religion and then a religion of himself, and he can't have any other monotheistic religions competing with him. And so it, it, it's definitely satanic. Satan is definitely working towards his ends, but whatever Satan does for his evil, God usually, <laughs> almost always, I should say, flips it and turns it into good. Yeah, and what you just said about, you know, uh with the Antichrist coming in to take over, devout, you know, Muslims would not ever recognize him as God. You know, so, yeah, something has to happen to, to those Muslim nations in order for him to exalt himself in that matter, the Antichrist. Oh, yes. And yeah. two, two things that happen as a result of the Psalm 83 war, I believe, destroys Islam as well, and that is, uh, one, the Samson initiative that Israel has, that if they are attacked... They will then attack and return, and even with nuclear retaliation. We read in uh, Jeremiah 49 that Israel will destroy Damascus one day in an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you do that in an hour unless it's, it's not you could bomb it to death, but likely it's a nuclear war, that the oldest city in the world, Damascus, the capital of Syria, will be destroyed by Israel. Israel will also take out in their Samson plan uh, uh, Mecca, which is the, mm-hmm. the heart and soul of Islam. And with that destroyed... How can any Muslim believe that Islam and Allah is all-powerful and all? No, he, he loses. He loses big. Another thing, too, 
because the Antichrist desecrates the temple in, in Jerusalem, that the Jews will no longer fear Islam anymore, and they will rebuild this, their temple, the third temple, which the Antichrist will desecrate it halfway into the tribulation. Now, they can't build the temple now because of the, the constant Islamic pressure from the world not to build on the Temple Mount. If they attempted today, there would be a war to end all wars if they <laughs> attempted. So Israel's smart to know not to build on the Temple Mount, and even though they control it, they let the Jordanians manage it. I've been on the Temple Mount a few times, and they'll let us up during infidel hours, but other than that, boy, yeah. if you you do anything that appears uh, to praying or even holding hands with your wife or anything like that, you'll have the, the Islamic police down on you. Mm. So it's a very, very hostile area. But so, but those two things indicate to me that Islam as a religion will see its demise very shortly after the rapture. And right now, Damascus is, you know, rubble. I mean, it's not completely laid bare. But, I mean, they, they've got, you know, it's never been devastated like it has so far, and it's going to get worse. Right. And Israel continues to attack uh, through night raids, various depots around Damascus where the Iranians and the Russians have been storing weapons and guns. Mm -hmm. Now, for Israel to absolutely annihilate Damascus would mean there's an existential threat. Yeah. So there's a, a, a lot of suggestion amongst people who are, have military backgrounds saying that, that Damascus will move nuclear weapons to launch, excuse me, Iranians will move nuclear weapons to launch from Damascus, and that's why Israel annihilates mm -hmm. Damascus. It's a theory. Yeah. It's a theory. Yeah. Well, I've seen an article on Blo Bloomberg News where they reported that Iran, Russia, and China are now planning a naval drill in the North Indian Ocean and the Sea of Oman. And all this is in response, again, to the United States sending troops to the Middle East. But what the article said was, this will be the first joint exercises ever held by those three nations. I mean, here we go, right? Wow. Isn't this exactly what the Bible predicted would happen? I believe that China will be gutted from the rapture. We think of the West as very Christian, but most don't realize that there's almost just as many Christians statistically in China yeah. as there are here in the United States. And with the rapture of the Church, clearly the, the West that doesn't get involved in the Gog and Magog War, something hobbles it so it's, it's ineffective, and obviously the West joins the Antichrist Empire, so we're seeing a, a waning of, of that, but the East... You don't hear about China and those nations mm -hmm. until the very, very end of the tribulation when they rebel against the Antichrist and they march an army towards Armageddon and they, um, when they have an insurrection against the Antichrist. So at some point, China will also be hobbled, but then they'll get its power back near the end enough to mass a 200-million-man army and head west towards Armageddon. Mm. Amen. Amen. Now, Nathan, is the American church, well, for that matter, the church at large, that spiritually blind that we're not able to see the handwriting on the wall, so to speak? I think up to maybe 15, 20 years ago, the church was very wide. We were watching it very closely. Mm -hmm. uh, teaching of the pre-trib rapture, a passion for Bible prophecy was there. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was anticipating it, and the rapture didn't happen. And everyone assumed that the rapture would happen in their own timing. When Jesus said, soon, well, okay, it's going to be tomorrow, it's going to be next week. And <laughs> as uh, one coworker of mine told me, she said, she said well, I, it never happened, so I just gave up. And we're seeing churches abandon the premillennial teaching, the pre-trib rapture view, 
I, I mean, we're just seeing all the churches out there dry up. We have people contact the ministry all the time saying, I can't find a church anymore that will teach about the rapture. Mm. You talk to the younger pastors coming out of the seminaries, and they're almost openly hostile to the idea of the teaching. Yeah. They're adopting this post-millennial view, this idea that the church will conquer the world for Christ and hand the keys of the kingdom over to him and returns, which is totally unbiblical. And uh, so the church is blind to it. We go to some churches now. There used to be a time where we go preaching at churches, and the audience, for the most part, knew what we were talking about. But now we have to go back to the basics to even explain wow. what the rapture is. Yeah, that, and I know there's churches that I've been to here in the Baltimore area that's the same way, exactly what you just said. You know, they don't want to hear about the pre-millennial view. You know, they're all post-trib. You know, and I'm like. Why wouldn't you want to get out of here? <laughs> you know? yeah. Why do you want to stay? You know? Well, a lot of them don't even believe in a, in a tribulation, a seven-year time period where God judges the world. So whether they're pre-mill or uh, mid or post-trib, it, it's an alien concept to them, too. They, they think that the that the as their ch- mega churches get bigger, and I'm all for mega. I served in a mega church for six years. Mm-hmm. I'm not against mega churches, but you know this idea that the church could can continue to grow and grow and grow and eventually conquer the world for Christ is not a big biblical concept when you read through Bible prophecy. The church will be taken out of this world before the worst of, of the world gets and God's judgments come upon the world. We're not going to conquer the world for him, but spiritually, yes, we are going to bring souls to Jesus Christ, the Savior, build that spiritual kingdom in anticipation for Jesus' return to set up his Davidic kingdom on earth, mm-hmm. which we call the Millennial Kingdom. Yeah, amen, amen. Nathan, I know some people can't stay all the way through the interview, uh, so just for those that, that have to leave early, I want to give you a chance to give your contact information. If someone had a question for you or wanted to get more information on the things we're talking about, how can they get in touch with you? Well, check us out at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Our website is christinprophecy.org. You can click the contact button at the top, and that those emails go directly to me. Amen. Amen. Now, Nathan, I'm sure you're aware of the political stalemate that has happened in the recent Israeli elections. How is that going to impact the geopolitical scene in Israel in respect to the stability, or rather instability, of the region? Well, what's interesting is is how the prime ministers up to Netanyahu were pretty much looking for a two-state solution. They were willing to give defensive land away for peace. Uh, President George W. Bush pushed it in 2005, and hence they got Gaza and uh, Hamas now using it as a uh, platform for shooting missiles into Israel. And so the Jews are pretty sour on the two-state solution, and for once we have a president now who is against the two-state solution as well, unless both Jews and Palestinians agree to it. Uh, But uh, all we need is to get in a prime minister who goes back to the idea that, that Israel has to appease its hostile neighbors to get peace. There's no appeasing a satanic hatred of those people, and unfortunately, because so many Jewish people I've heard seen statistics of 85% of the people living in Israel are secular humanists, mm. that they believe in the general good of people, and that the Muslims, if, if you just appease them and give them a little land, then they'll back off and everyone will have peace in the Middle East. That's nonsense. Yeah. Uh, it's in the, the PLO charter that Israel should not exist. You talk to the, the Palestinians, and, and they believe Israel should not exist. There's no compromising with them. And so that I think that's the geopolitical issue we'll see. Another thing is that we see prophetically 
is that the Antichrist will make a peace covenant with Israel. The Israelis will accept him almost as a messianic figure, mm -hmm. and they'll make peace with him. Now, that could be as an aftermath of the Gog and Magog war, that the Antichrist actually fears the God of Israel and makes a peace covenant so he can go around the world conquering it, and then he won't be attacked. And then in the middle of the tribulation, he puts his focus back on Israel, and we see him persecute the Jews through what's called the Great Tribulation, the second half. So uh, what we are probably is one prime minister away from a very weak prime minister who doesn't see the value of God and doesn't see the prophetic picture like Netanyahu does. Yeah, amen. You know, the Antichrist isn't just going to show up and say, hey, I'm the Antichrist. You know, here we go. I mean, how will people who remain on this earth, because I'm praying to be out on the first boatload, you know, in <laughs> but how would anyone be able to recognize him? What does Scripture have to say about that? Well, for one, you gotta got to remember that the world is going to be a vastly different. A lot of people try to overlay prophetic events on today's news, and you can't discount the biblical wars that will be happening first. For one, we see the Psalm 83 war, where Israel will become a superpower and take over the Middle East. Yeah, the Gog and Magog war, that's the end of Russian Islam being an influence in the world. The rapture of the church should gut the West and, and uh, also China and, and uh, those nations. So they're no longer a power anymore. So Daniel prophesied that the Antichrist would rise out of the people to destroy the temple. And the people destroyed the temple were the Romans, a revived European Union. Europe will stand as the only superpower next to Israel going into the tribulation. And so we learn that the Antichrist the little horn of Daniel, as he calls him, will rise up out of a ten-nation confederacy. He will subdue three of them, and he will rise to power as king over the revised Rome, revived Roman Empire, and then spread out and conquer the rest of the world. Amen. Amen. So, based upon current events, and some of what we just discussed, and comparing them to what the Bible's predicting, what does the future look like for the Middle East, and I guess what we could say, the rest of the world, as we're watching the news on a nightly basis. What does it look like? Well, we've got some interesting predicament. For one, eventually things will boil over where Israel will have to defend itself and defeat its hostile neighbors. Uh, Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38-39 give us an indication that after that there'll be a short time of peace for Israel. Uh, they'll feel like they have, they're now in a good situation where they don't have to be attacked anymore. Uh, they'll be unsuspecting when Iran and Turkey and Russia come down and attack them and destroy them. And it'll take Israel, the prophecy gives, seven years to clean up the dead bodies and the weapons and all. So the Middle East will be pretty much in chaos throughout most of that time. We also have a prophecy where the Antichrist headquarters will be called Babylon. And there are some who believe that he will rebuild the ancient Babylon in Iraq. And Iraq will then become, believe it or not, the capital of the world. Uh, Who ever <laughs> thought the Middle East would become the capital of the world? If that's a correct interpretation and it's not Rome or Jerusalem, then Babylon rebuilt in the Middle East will become the capital of the world. It won't be Brussels anymore or, or New York City or Washington, D.C. So the shift in world power will go to the Middle East. And then at the end of the tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, which happens in northern Israel, that's another effect in the Middle East, as all the nations of the world march together in one last futile attempt to destroy the Jewish people. Amen. Amen. You know, I know there are many people and organizations you know, basically playing games with the current situations we're, we're, that we've been talking about. Many of them are selling their 
for lack of a better term, I'll call it prepper items. So you can be prepared for Armageddon and all this other stuff. But Nathan, there is one thing that every person truly, truly needs in order to be prepared for the coming trouble on the horizon. And I'm going to pitch you a big fat softball question here. <laughs> what do you recommend every person do right now and personally to prepare for the things we've been discussing today? Go out and buy a canteen. No, no just kidding. <laughs> How do you prepare for, for global wars, massive earthquakes, uh, crushing uh, meteors that hit the earth? You can't prep enough for that. No, the, the true preparation is spiritual, and that's yeah. that you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to accept the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and in repentance pray to the Lord to save you of your sins and to be the Lord of your life. And he will do that. Your sins will be forgiven, the guilt will be gone, and you will inherit eternal life with Jesus. And even closer, you will inherit to be a member of the rapture of the church, where Christ will take the all Christians off this earth up to heaven before his judgments will befall this planet. Yeah, amen. Can you say home run? <laughs> I mean, hit that yeah, one right out of the park, my friend. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Get a canteen, too. You never know. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, we make light of it, but it's truly not a laughing matter. I mean, we're talking about no, someone's deadly eternal serious. destiny. People just cannot comprehend what eternity truly means. I mean, our little lifespan on this earth means nothing when compared to all of eternity. But yet, all of eternity is determined by truly one decision that we make in this lifetime. I mean, that's how serious it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. I, I like to think back about the history of this nation. Okay, If you go all the way back to when Columbus first discovered the New World just a little over, what, 500 years ago, that seems like a long time. But if you take it into consideration, let's say the Hebrews being enslaved in Egypt, if you took it from when Joseph first, first brought his father and brothers to live with him, that's just about the same length of time, right? So we look at 500 years, oh, yeah, that's ancient history for us. But in the Bible, it's one story, well, two stories over a couple different books. The point being, what we consider to be a long time, the Bible tells us it's just a brief blip in the timeline of mankind. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's an amazing analogy because you think about it. How much of the world has changed in 500 years? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Well, the tribulation promises that the world's going to change radically, radically by the time we get to the millennial kingdom. So we tend to think that as things are, so they shall ever be, but that's not the case as history proves. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Nathan, if there's someone listening right now that senses in their heart that the Lord is speaking to them and is one of those that, that needs to make that decision we are talking about, would you do the honor of leading them to the throne of Jesus, you know, the throne of grace and mercy? Well, absolutely. If you feel a tugging in your heart, uh, this this pull, that that means the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, is working in you. He's working yeah. in your heart. He's calling you to Him. Yeah. And you know that you're a sinner. You know you lie, and you cheat, and you steal. You know, you're not a good person. None of us are, and, and that's for we need a Savior. We cannot stand before a holy God when we have sin upon ourselves. It separates us from God. And so God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross, to die for our sins, and when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then your sins will be forgiven. You will be made pure and holy. You will be able to stand before the Father. That relationship like Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, where they walked and talked and had fellowship with him, 
will be restored. And really, that's what all of human history is about. You want to know what human history is about? It's getting us back into that Garden of Eden condition, where a remnant of people who truly want to be with God forever, harvested from all the generations over the last 6,000 years, will walk and talk and have fellowship with Jesus again. So if you feel that tug, pray from your heart. Something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And your sins will be forgiven. You will inherit eternal life, and you will be a child of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I just can't emphasize enough, folks. One decision in your lifetime determines where you spend eternity. I mean, it's that important. Now, Nathan, we are about out of time. If someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask you a question and get some information on all the things we discussed today, how can they do that? How can they get in touch with you again? Oh, please do. If you Write me through ChristinProphecy.org. That's our website. You can watch our TV show, Christ in Prophecy. We have many articles and magazines and social networks you can join. And just click that contact button and you'll be able to reach me. Amen. And I'm going to put links to all this in the show notes down below. And Nathan, I'm also going to include a link to your book, 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. I can't tell you, I have to tell you again how much I really enjoyed that book. It's an awesome oh, excellent. book. Excellent. Uh, I'll send you my next book. It's at the printer right now. It's called uh, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. It, it explores the 72 angels or groups of angels that the book of Revelation talks about. So you learn angelology as well as you learn the book of Revelation. Amen. Amen. I've been listening to that series on your archives uh, that you you did. Uh, oh, excellent! So yeah, it started out as a blog teaching series, and <laughs> now now it's rewritten into a book. Amen, amen. And while I'm at, I'm also going to put a link to Dr. Reagan's recent book, "God's Prophetic Voices to America," in the show notes as well, because uh, I've got that book and I'm going through it. And it, I mean, it is an eye opener. I mean, it it is. The status of the United States right now, when you read Dr. Reagan's book, it's going to drive you to your knees. It really is. It's an awesome book. Excellent. It's a very good book, yes. Amen. And folks, you can order all those books directly through Christ and Prophecy website. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come visit with us and talk with us about Bible prophecy being played out in the news right in front of our eyes. I appreciate it, brother. All right. Thank you, Pastor Bob. I appreciate you as well. All right, folks, that is all the time we have for today. I want to encourage you to go to the Lamb and Lion Ministries website, which is the television program name, so it's easier to remember. Just go to ChristinProphecy.org. There is so much useful information on that website. You can read the articles, you can watch videos, you can purchase books and products, and you can ask questions through the website, and Nathan will probably be the one that answers you. Praise the Lord. Definitely. For Nathan Jones myself, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.